Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Everybody enjoy their three-day weekend last weekend? Everybody enjoy your four-day work week last weekend? Everybody enjoy the end of school? I think all the parental types in here are all like, uh, yeah. All of a sudden, I don't know. I've got these three creatures hanging around my house or you know, however many you have. And for three months, what am I going to do with them? That's, that's kind of the way it plays out in, in, in uh, my house anyway. I'm Eric. Welcome to E3. This is the third week of E3 at the movies. And uh, we are going to be talking this morning about Prince of Persia. But before we do that, I just kind of want to kind of take a step back and remind us of why we do this. So almost every year for at least the past four years uh, or so, we have taken four or five weeks to talk about movies. Some of them really great movies, some of them Shrek 3. Um, But... um, so, you know, there's always this kind of lingering question, like, why, why, won't you, why do you do this? Isn't this a church? You're supposed to talk about God at church, right? Um, well, there's a few different reasons why we do this. And, and Mark's reminded, of, of us, reminded us of this before, but I just want to do it again this morning. Um, we do not believe at E3 that God lives inside this box, right? And we also do not believe that God lives inside of any box that we draw. So I believe that... Um, any part of our lives, we could be walking down the street, we could be listening to the radio, we could be in a movie theater when all of a sudden God shows up because God's story is big and bold and beautiful. And wherever we find those things, wherever we find God up to something, I believe it's our role in his kingdom to go like, you see that? That's God. That's God's story. You see that? You see that love story? You see that story of sacrifice? Whatever it is in the movies, that is a God thing. And and it's our job to tell our friends about it. It's our job to celebrate it. It's our job to worship God because of it. Um, And and if we find things on the the flip side of that, sitting in a movie theater, they go like, you know what? That's not God's story. God is not so into that. It's our job to kind of to kind of acknowledge that as well. But I believe that our God does not live in this hour only on Sunday morning. And, and I think the best thing that we can do is learn to walk through the world with eyes wide open. And wherever we find God moving, we go, that's our God. That's the God that I sit and I worship uh, and I've given my life to. So uh, we also do that because, we also do this because movies kind of reflect where we are as a culture, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and movies sometimes teach us as a, as a culture, sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, and we just need to be aware of these things. So that's why we do what we do, that's why we give four or five weeks out of our year to talking about this stuff. And as I said before this morning, we are talking about uh, Prince of Persia which uh, started out its life as a video game in the kind of the mid to late 80s. I guess it was a, a really, really landmark video game. And somewhere along the line, somebody said, hey, what a great idea. Let's turn it into a movie. Now, whether that person still has their job or not, I don't know. That's remained to be seen. But um, it's you know, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, with the washboard abs. It's, it's Ben Kingsley. It's epic. It's blockbuster. I mean, we've been seeing ads about this thing for months, right? Walt Disney the Disney film. So I'm sure 
Within the year, we'll be riding Prince of Persia rides in Orlando. But uh, let's take a look at the trailer, and then I'm just going to kind of do a summary of the plot, and we'll just dig in. So guys, go ahead and roll that. Yes, well, how many people have actually seen the movie at this point? Okay, a few. I will try not to uh, give anything away, but basically the story revolves around Jake Gyllenhaal's character named Prince Dastan. He is uh, an orphan, and when he's a child, he is adopted by the king, the, the ruler, emperor of Persia, and raised in his household as a prince. He has two brothers, and they're a very close-knit family. Uh, there's a lot of affection, a lot of love between the brothers. Uh, the, the gist of the plot line is that the, the king is murdered, and Dostan is blamed, and he flees before he can be arrested, and then uh, sets about kind of trying to clear his name and find out who actually murdered the princess. Oh, and yes, he has to rescue the entire world from destruction. And yes, there's a princess, of course. Uh, all these things that make up these movies that we, we love. And there's so much uh, that this movie kind of touches. You know, we could have looked at what it means to be adopted by a king. We can look at what it means to, where is your identity? Uh, we could look at what does it mean to have justice in the world and, 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 and innocence, you know, how do you fight for your innocence? We could look at what it means just to, to have a quest, just to, just to be going after something. There's so many things in this movie. But what really kind of compelled me and drew me in was this kind of story behind the story because there's this item that everybody is after and it is the dagger of time. Can I have appropriate oohs and ahs? The dagger of time. Oh, that's excellent. Look, it even lights up. Can you see that? Ooh. So the dagger of time. Everybody wants the dagger of time. Uh, in the movie, what it can do is if you're holding it and you press this handy little button powered by some kind of battery, um, in the movie, you can travel back in time about one minute. And in that one minute, you can go back and you can correct anything that's happened. You can undo things that have been done. You can just go back and relive a moment over and over again. And everybody wants this, and it's obviously kind of a, a unique power. And then there's something else that can happen that uh, the dagger can actually be used to turn back a whole lot of time, but it also might destroy the world, and, and that's where the story comes out of. And I got to thinking that... What an amazing item. Like, it's something that we can just kind of blow past, right? Oh, a dagger, it's, 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 it's a plot device. But then I got to thinking, like, wouldn't you give up your entire world if you had something that you could go back in time every time you made a mistake? Press a button and go back and make it like it never happened. And never have to deal with, you know, the jokes or the laughter or, or any type of repercussions that may have happened. Like, wouldn't you give anything to go back and be able to do this? You know, it's kind of like, um, for me, having the undo button on life. Now, I don't know, I know there's a wide range of people in here age-wise, but I actually grew up in an age where there were these things called typewriters. <laughs> yes. And some of these so-called typewriters did not even have uh, delete buttons on them. But then we got delete buttons, and there was much rejoicing in the world. And then these things called computers came out, and uh, they, you, could, you could delete all you wanted, but then deleting wasn't enough. And I think it was sometime around my first experience with Microsoft Word that I became associated, being a Mac guy, with the Apple Z button. Anybody, what does Apple Z do? 
Apple Z, Command Z, Control Z. Come on, Tommy, you know. You're not helping me, Tommy. Apple Z, undo. Does anybody use the undo button? Edit undo. Edit undo. Well, I know the shortcuts. So it wasn't enough to have a delete key. Somehow we needed more. We needed the undo button that could make things, I guess, like they never even occurred. And, and, and this was awesome. And at first, I don't know if you guys remember this, but at first undo only went back like six levels. Like you could, you know, and you'd be typing something, you realize you made a mistake, and you're like, oh, please let this have happened within the realm of undo. I'm, undo, 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 undo. Oh, yes. But now I think recently, as far as I could tell, because I make a lot of mistakes, undo seems to be infinite. Like you can just keep going back and going back and going back. This is awesome. What if you had an undo button on your life? Are there not things that you would go back and be like, oh, yeah, that, that time I tried to wear skinny jeans, Apple Z. <laughs> not, not me personally, you know. You know, just the list goes on and on. For me, an, infant, an in, uh, um, infamous undo Apple Z dagger of time moment happened in December of 2002. Now, my wife, who I was uh, informed was not nine months pregnant, because I'm a guy, I get these things wrong. Uh, she was more like seven and a half months pregnant, but the bottom line was she was ultimately four days away from giving birth. So in my mind, as a guy, that equates to being nine months pregnant. I hope you understand. Now, guys, latch on to that. Seven and a half months pregnant, four days away from giving birth. Let me help you. As a man, when your wife is four days away from giving birth, you want her to be comfortable. You want her to feel loved. You want her to feel appreciated. Can I get an amen out there? Anybody? Okay. So it's Christmas time. I have to go buy gifts. I want my wife to feel loved and appreciated and comfortable. So I go out gift shopping. And in my mind, I, have, I come up with the first item that I'm convinced is going to make my wife feel loved and appreciated. And it is a set of steak knives. <laughs> and yes, first of all, this actually happened. And second of all, yes, these are the actual knives. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in my head, frankly, but it didn't stop there because I also decided that she desperately needed to feel loved and comfortable and appreciated uh, a copy, a DVD copy of the movie uh, Sound of Music, which would have been fine had she ever in her life mentioned that she actually liked Sound of Music or wanted to see it or was interested in it in any form or fashion. And so Christmas morning comes, and I don't know if you've ever been there before, but like there's that moment where like she's peeling back the paper, and in my heart, like for some reason, I didn't realize how atrocious these gifts were until the paper's being pulled back, and then there's just like, what have I done? <laughs> and I guarantee you that if there was a dagger of time, I'd be like, come on, <laughs> you know, Apple Z, Apple Z, Apple Z. Um, that is an infamous moment in our household that I wish uh, I could have never have had happen. But I think if we're, if we're honest and if we kind of pause for a second, uh, 
the rabbit hole goes a bit deeper um, than that. And there are things that are not so funny in our lives, in my life anyway, that if, if I had any option in the world to go back and Apple Z a moment, I would. There are things that I have done and said and heard um, that if I could go back and take that time out of my life and out of this world, I would do it in a second. And I don't think I'm alone in that. You know, there are things that we wish we could unsee. There are things that we've said that we wish we could unsay, things we've heard that we wish we could unhear. And I think there are, pe- there, are, there, are, there are people in a room like this or in this community, I think, that maybe you get to the point and you're just like, God, why won't you take this from me? Why isn't there an Apple Z? With all the things that God could have given us, why not a way to kind of just make things disappear? And that's why this dagger is so valuable because it represents a desire deep inside our hearts to not have to carry around some of the stuff we carry around, right? There's things that, that I have that, that it takes me, if ever, years to just get by. They just sit there in my history. They sit there in my past. They don't go away. And I've wondered often with God, why? Why, God? Like, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm a part of your people, but why can't this just go away? Why is it still there? Uh, you know, I, I love movies, and, and I find truths in so many different movies. There's another movie that came out. Uh, it's kind of in this series, this, this time of, of Mel Gibson's life, where it's just Mel releases movies that, that hate on the British, right? So there's Braveheart. Then a few years after, he releases The Patriot. And these are just like two excuses for two hours of Mel Gibson to just beat up on the British. I don't know what's going on in his life. But The Patriot is a great movie. Watch it all the time. And it opens with this scene, just kind of the cameras kind of panning over a chest of, of stuff of his. And Gibson's voice comes in and he says, I have long feared that my sins would return to haunt me. And the cost is more than I can bear. And sometimes when you're carrying around things that you wish could go away, isn't that the deeper fear? That somehow they're not in our, just in our past. That somehow they're going to come back. And when they come back, they're going to come back heavy and hard. And we don't know how we're quite going to deal with that. But what I want to do this morning is take a look at a guy in the Bible. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, and also on the fridge folds, and I think we'll have, have it up here on the side screens. We're going to look at one of the most interesting, fascinating characters in all of Scripture, especially the Old Testament, a guy named Jacob. And let me set the story for what we're going to read this morning. Jacob is the younger brother, the younger twin brother of, of two. His older brother's name's es- named Esau. Esau and Jacob came out of the womb. Esau first. Jacob came out with a hold of his brother's heel, it says. So Jacob's name is actually sort of a play in in Hebrew of the word like heel grabber. They were very literal minded. But it's also a play in Hebrew of the word sneaky or deceiver. There's different ways to put it. So Jacob kind of carries 
elements of these two identities throughout his life. He's a very smart man, and he's able to get what he wants through some clever, some might say shady dealings. He actually kind of tricks his brother into giving him first his birthright, and then a few years later, which we looked at, uh, I think sometime last year, he tricks his father, who's blind, into giving him the blessing that's meant for Esau, his older brother. Now, the gist of the, in that culture was that the older brother would receive this intense blessing of the father to kind of catapult him into adulthood, kind of get his life started the right way. And through some clever use of goat skins and deception, because his father's blind, Jacob steals the blessing of Esau. And Esau is devastated, and Esau is really angry. And he says this, he says, you are truly Jacob. And the the language goes something like this. You are truly Jacob, heel, sneak, deceiver. And And one day I will kill you. And what scholars will say is that in that moment, what has actually happened is that Esau has cursed his brother's name and has made Jacob the heel grabber into Jacob the deceiver, Jacob the sneak. And so Jacob now carries this curse with him through his years. On one hand, Jacob is a very uh, successful man. He's wealthy, married, has at this point 11 sons. It's a good thing to have in that culture. But on the other hand, Jacob's uh, relationship with his brother is broken and non-existent. And he lives in fear of his brother. So in a sense, Jacob is carrying this curse with him. And so basically, we're gonna pick up this story where Jacob is about to meet his brother. He's about to encounter Esau, and he is scared. So he divides his possessions up in two. And basically, the thinking is literally like, well, if Esau gets mad and, and kills one camp, the other camp can run away. So this is serious business. And we're gonna pick up the story in, in uh, Verse 22 of chapter 32. It says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. So this is when he's divided his camp. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Jacob's like 93 years old. I don't know if anybody goes around wrestling 93-year-old men, but this is the story. When the man saw that he would not win the match, which says a lot about Jacob, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Now, the word there for touched is not like he punched him. It's not like he pushed. It's not like he twisted. The word is literally like, like indicates a very light touch, like he touches it, bam, hips out of socket. So at this point, we know this is not just a man. This is somebody with some kind of supernatural powers. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And this is significant. The man asks, what is your name? He replied, Jacob. He replied, deceiver. He replied, this is my curse. This is what I've carried. 
And now get this. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. I don't want you to miss what just happened. What just happened is that this being, and scholars are divided as to whether this is God himself, whether this is an angel, but this is somebody at least speaking with God's authority, has just removed Jacob's curse and given him a new name. He just removed the curse of Jacob's name and said, that's not you anymore. Your identity has changed. Just kind of as a a slight aside, um, the narrative does go on to call him Jacob. So if you read on, you might be confused because everybody else is still calling him Jacob. But basically in the long view, his name is changed to Israel. He is Israel. His sons end up constituting the tribes of Israel. So God has removed the curse of Jacob's life and given him a new name, a new identity. Jacob says, please tell me your name. The man says, why do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as as Jacob left Peniel, which in ancient literature, the sun rising was a sign of blessing. So you just get this instance, like Jacob leaves and the sun is coming up and it's like, yeah, like something new has happened. But he was limping because of the injury to his hip. So Jacob wrestles, man takes curse, gives him a limp. There's a lot of different ways to look at this story. You know, there's a lot of, it's easy to kind of say, well, like, wow, like what a, what a rotten thing to be given a limp for life, you know? Sure, the curse got removed, but what about this limp? You know, and, and I got to thinking about like limps and, 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 and crutches because it's easy to look at a crutch and go like something's wrong with, with this person. If you have a crutch, you're not healed, you're not whole. But there's another way to look at crutches. If someone's limping or if they need a crutch, A crutch can also be a sign that healing is occurring. You go to get your legs set. You need to kind of uh, wear a brace like our, our buddy Evan did for a while. When you're on crutches, it's a sign that healing is taking place. To put it another way, if you have a wound that's open, you have to have that wound looked at, right? A wound can be infected. A wound can just remain open. You can bleed out. You can die from a wound. But what comes after a wound most uh, often is a scar. And a scar is a sign that healing has taken place. So crutches are not curses. And wounds are not scars. And even the God that may not go back in time and apple Z something in your life can turn that moment, that curse, that thing that you wish you have, could unsee, and he can take that and turn it in to a scar that tells the story of his healing. But guess what you have to do? You gotta wrestle. God says, come on, 
I can do this. All you have to do is come and wrestle with me. And that's what it takes. I mean, I have uh, sat and wept uh, and, and been in, in the, in just in the privacy of my own room saying, God, why? Why, why, why? Why will you, won't take this from me? And God just says, you know, sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. But even if I don't, come and wrestle with me. Mix it up with me, God says, and see if I will not turn the curse into a crutch, into a sign and a story of healing. Can I get an amen out there? There's a great, uh, a great movie that came out in the, the 1990s called The Mission. And uh, it stars Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. De Niro's kind of like a, a violent man. He's a soldier, hard drinker, loves his weapons, and he speaks with the sword and the gun. And Jeremy Irons is a priest. And the movie begins with De Niro murdering somebody. I believe actually murdering his brother. And uh, it starts off with, with Jeremy Irons, the priest, coming to De Niro and saying, uh, you, have to, you have to make peace with your soul. You have to make peace with God about this. And De Niro is clear, and he says, there is no forgiveness for me. And one phrase he uses is, there is no life for me. What I have done is beyond the pale. It's beyond God's ability to forgive. And then Jeremy Irons gets down in this, in, this, in this violent man's face and he says, but will you dare to try? Will you dare to be forgiven? And in a sense, what he is saying is that will you dare to wrestle with God? And De Niro is skeptical, but he eventually, he, he dares it. And uh, Jeremy Irons allows him to kind of choose his own method of kind of living out this forgiveness. And so De Niro chooses to bundle up everything that represented his previous life into a, a, basically a rope sack and to carry that sack up a mountain in South America in the rainforest. This takes place in the 15th, 16th century, so there's no Gatorade, nothing like that. And what I want to do is like this scene in the movie is like eight minutes long, but I just want to watch like a minute of it. And uh, so if you guys would cue that up and, and turn your attention to the, to the screen, we'll just watch a piece of this. Do you have things in your life that you are carrying behind you? That you are climbing, you are walking, and you just can't seem to get free. Our God is in the business of taking those things and saying, I will turn those into glorious stories of love and grace and healing.
All you have to do is come wrestle with me. Sometimes the hardest person for, to, to experience forgiveness is, is ourselves. We forgive people all over the place that, that sometimes wrong us, but sometimes we have things inside us that we cannot forgive ourselves for seeing, doing, or hearing. And God says, no, you matter too. Bring the curse, bring the wound, and let me change them. He puts it this way in Isaiah 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? And for the literal-minded, let me be clear here. This is When he's talking food and drink, he's not talking food and drink. He's talking life. He's talking salvation. He's talking healing. He's talking forgiveness. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find what? Life. Does anybody need a little life here this morning? I know I sure do. What we want to do now is something that we don't normally do. And that is, we want, uh, we want to give you a chance to wrestle with God. Now, maybe you're a person who's walked this path for a long time, but you know, you're like, you know what? I've got things that I really wish I had the dagger of time for. I really wish I had an apple Z. We want you to chance, give you a chance to wrestle with God. Maybe you're here and you don't even know this God. But he's sitting there saying, you know what? I'm in the wrestling business. Come on. I'm big enough. I can do this. And what we want to do is, is give you guys a little space. So um, there are some folks at this couch over here in this corner and this corner over here. These are people in our community that we trust and that we believe have uh, a gift to just give words to things inside your soul. So we want to be able to pray with you. We're going to just kind of play a song. Trace and the band is, is going to come up, and we just want to give you some minutes to just sit and respond and wrestle. Um, they'll be there. They'll be there for, for the, kind of the duration of this, of this time. Get up and just go say, you know what, I've got, I've got something I need to kind of uh, get, off my, get off my chest. Um, Dan will be here. I'll be here down here in the front. Just grab somebody, trusted friend. Um, if you guys would bow your heads, I just want to pray for this time, and then um, we'll just kind of rest and, and let God speak to us. God, I thank you that the creator of the entire universe says, come on, come to me. Let's mix it up. Let's reason together. Tell me what your curses are. And you exchange those things for crutches and scars that maybe we wish didn't exist at all. But God, if we look at them the right way, we go, this is a story of when God did this in my life. So Lord, I pray 
that you would allow this to be a safe place for people. I pray pray that people would um, come freely and come with the intent to meet with you. Thank you for your love and, and your grace and your forgiveness, God. Thank you.